Blog Talk Radio. at 
Okay. Uh, the chat room is open at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. So those are all the ways we can you can participate in the show. And if you have other ways of contacting me, you know, personally or what have you, you can do that as well. If you may be at work and you really can't talk, but you can text me and I would relay it on the air for you. So once again, welcome to the show and I hope you're ready for a great one. But before we go into further, let's go on to get this this, this uh, message. I guess you can call it a message, and it's basically a student talking to a teacher, and it's very very interesting um, the things that the student says, and it's very relevant to today's uh, youth and education system. So without further ado, here it is: student versus teacher. Listen tight closely now. Your son is a failure. He's barely passing my class, and with grades like this, I'm just not sure what kind of future he's going to have. What do you have to say for yourself? You're supposed to graduate this year. Listen to Mr. Johnson. What kind of future do you think you're going to have? With all due respect... Don't call me a failure. Failure is an event, not a person, in fact. And you talk about the future, Mr. Johnson, but you're not preparing us for that. Excuse me? Just listen to what I'm saying. This should be good. Would you agree that in the future, most careers will become automated? Yeah, so? So the people who succeed will have to be curious, innovative, with resilience to adapt to new changes. What's your point? My point is, the focus in this school is not on that. It is on regurgitating information and test-taking, and that's just real. But in today's world, creativity is the most important leadership skill. Oh, that's how you feel. You don't have to believe me, but maybe you will believe the 1,500 executives who recently said creativity is the most important leadership skill. See, pretty soon, no one will be hired because of what they know. Because who cares what you know or if you've memorized a fact? We've got Google and Siri for that. In the future, people will be hired because of what they can do with their knowledge. Can they creatively solve real-world problems, not just follow instructions or directions and bubble in multiple-choice questions? So, Mom, that's why I'm stressed, because these robotic tasks we learn in school should stop. Because no one can do a robot's job better than a robot. Billionaire founder of Alibaba, Jack Ma, said that we should not compete with artificial intelligence, but instead focus on developing unique human intelligence. Mr. Johnson, drills are for teeth, not the human mind. So these repetitive knowledge-based tasks we must leave behind. Or in the future, you're going to find a lot of people graduating out of your class right into the unemployment line. See, many top companies today don't look at grades Mom, that old way is expiring. Google has been quoted as saying GPAs are worthless criteria for hiring. Founder of Tesla, Elon Musk, agrees. So I say this with unease and sorrow. If you continue to teach today as you taught yesterday, then you rob us students of tomorrow. Mr. Johnson, I'm going to keep it real with you. Sometimes sitting in your class is tough. I'm constantly thinking if I don't look up at the clock, maybe it'll speed up. So I listen to you do my work and pay attention, feeling like an hour had to have gone by. 
but it was only three minutes. So if you wonder why we're bored in class, look, you want to get a kid to hate reading? Give them this, a school textbook. And some people think it's our fault, and that hurts me. They say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And to that I say no. Firstly, you can put salt in that horse's hay and make him thirsty. And if you bring joy in your classroom, you can make any bad student nerdy. As he or she discovers the beauty of truly learning. Mr. Johnson, I mean no disrespect. You have the most important job on this planet. You build, create, and save lives. But if you really care about my future, like you say, then you have to fully commit and ask yourself honestly, how do I prepare a child for a future that doesn't yet exist? Here's a hint. The answer is not found in this. It's using this and this. See, in the future, we will need more passion and compassion. People with inspired hearts and wisdom to uplift this planet. And mom, I love you. But can I be real? Go ahead. You want to know one of the biggest factors for childhood success? It's not IQ. It's family meals. And we haven't had one of those in a while. See, I know sometimes you don't feel proud. Because I may not be a straight-A student, but I'm not stupid. These tests may be 70% of my grade, but they're 0% of my future. But don't worry. I'll pass this class and get through this. But I need you to give me the space I need to be me and live true. Because the best feeling in the world is that your own parents get you. There's a passage in a book called The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. And if you don't mind, I'd love to share it with you. Go ahead. See, he says, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, they do not belong to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts. For they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls. For their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow. So, Mom, I'd appreciate it if you give me the love that I need to pursue my dreams. See, if we are to succeed, all three of us need behavior change on all fronts. We talk about the future, but the future is now. And it is created now by all of us. I've never heard you speak like that before. Yeah, I didn't know. But I'm going to reach out to administration and try to change some things. You have my word.
And, you know, that happens a lot in our school systems where the teachers and, and even parents don't realize that you know, a lot of things that's being taught to our children today is not really teaching them anything. It's just repeated, or as he said in the, in the, in the message, regurgitated facts, and which sometimes aren't really facts. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's boring our children. So a lot of times the kids, are in, the children are in, in the classes, and you know, they're not really doing anything. They, you know, as some say, they're failing. That's because they're bored. You know, they're not being challenged. So as parents, uh, we need to really uh, keep keep on top of that and make sure that our, our children are being challenged and being uh, taught, you know, things that's going to help them in the future, not just regurgitated facts that in the long run is not going to help them at all. Maybe if they go on a game show or something like that. But other than that, in real life, it's just a waste of time. And the same with our college um, system as well. But that's just my opinion, of course. All right, anyway, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mr. Talk. My co-host, Pete Ross, is here with me. And uh, we got a great show planned for you today. We're talking about reparations and um, also this conflict, uh, possible conflict with Iran. And um, we're gonna talk to we're gonna talk all about all that today. But before we go any further, you know I got to bring her in because she's a logical one. She's the one who tell me I can't sing on the show. You know what I mean? But I'm a sing, believe it or not. But anyway, without further ado, let's bring the logical one in, the smart one on the show, the one and the only P. Ross in the house. P. What's going on? Hello there. Ain't ain't too much going on. Ain't too much going on. This show today is what's going on. And these people arguing over reparations, which I, I don't understand the fight, but, you know, such is life. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Okay. Such is life. Really? That's what we're going to mm-hmm. say? Such is life? <laughs> but, yeah, well, I mean, what? What, I mean what, else is, what else is there to say? Because they've argued... From 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 the, the the mundane to the idiotic, you know, points of view, overlooking, you know, the reality of, of what some of them, you know, brought out that can be a real solution that can benefit everybody on each side. But you know, we're not really trying to be equal, or we're not really trying to be fair, because we're not really trying to do anything for you people. Is the message that I got. So, you. Know. So, hey, what okay. do you say? It's life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Gotcha. You know, I often say, you know, when people say, well, I just want to be equal. We just want to be equal. And I have a problem with that. I, I really do. I say, no, we shouldn't be equal. We be, should be striving to be greater. You know, yep. equal is acceptable. You know, you should strive to be greater. And that's the way I Anyway, so I'm kind of twisted in here, so who knows? But <laughs> hush, hush, hush. I hear you uh, anyway. Yeah, that's yeah, the way I look at it. Yeah, but you know, in in order to be greater, you ha- at least got to have a chance to be equal. You got to have the same equal resources in order to establish, you know, a greater. When you're not on the same footing, it makes the it makes the fight that 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 hard. And not saying that we can't win, because yeah, 
But if you're getting always getting knocked down once you fresh out the gate, come on now. While others while others may get the the a hand up. See, and, and it's not an issue. But when they see you. See, so so yeah, just let me start where you, you have the opportunity to start at. And let's go from there. If at all possible. Hmm. If at all possible. Okay. All right, yeah. we can do that. We can do that. All right, I want to say welcome Purple Pill to the show. Glad you can hang out with us today. All right, so without further ado, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot. I got my co-host here with me today. So with my co-host here, okay, thank you. Uh, well, I'm working off the computer, so it does what it does. Um, go ahead with the, 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 the Black History moment there, Pete. Let's get all knock that out the way. All right. All right. But today we have, uh, I thought we would go with the uh, black legislatures, uh, legislators doing the reconstruction. And we'll start with the state of Georgia, um, which, you know, black men participated in, in, in Georgia politics for the first time um, during congressional reconstruction. And that was in the years 1867 to 76. And between 1867 and 1872, 69 African Americans served as delegates to the Constitutional Convention, or they served as members of the state legislature. Um, One of them was Jefferson Franklin Long, who was a tailor from Bibb County. Um, Another were the the, uh, some other ones were um, Henry McNeil Turner, Tunis Campbell, and Aaron A. Bradley. They were the most infamous. Turner because he was so successful in organizing the black Republican vote. Yes, I did say the black Republican vote. Um, so thus he attracted other ministers into politics. Now Tunis Campbell he had built an impressive political machine in and around Darien in the McIntosh County in Georgia. Bradley, who was a shoemaker in um, Augusta, um, where he became a lawyer, he was the most outspoken of the delegation in the Constitutional um, Convention. Even though despite a checkered past, he rallied plantation blacks around Savannah with his insistence that the former slaves be given land. So, see, this this issue of reparations it is not anything new. Because even back then, in the 1800s, you know, when blacks were Republicans, they were still lobbying for reparations. So in September of 1868, the legislature, dominated by the Republicans, which were black, um, they expelled its African-American members, energized the black, le- black legislator, led by Turner, successfully lobbied the federal government to receive them. So they were thrown out by the other Republicans, but they lobbied to get their seats back in 1868. They continued to concentrate on political and civil rights and education because education, that has been their highest priority since 1865. And with that, their solid support, 
Georgia finally uh, adopted a public education system. Now the conservatives, otherwise known as the Democrats back then, they used terror, intimidation, and the Ku Klux Klan to redeem the state. One quarter of the black legislators were killed, threatened, beaten, or jailed. In December of 1870 elections, the Democrats won an overwhelming victory. In 1906, W.H. Rogers from McIntosh County was the last black legislature to be elected before blacks were legally, legally disenfranchised in 1908. And if you want to know what it means to say they were legally disenfranchised, that means they changed the law so that they could not be in the legislature. And that is our Black History Moment for today. All right. All right. That's what I'm talking about right there. Good job. Good job. Very good job. All right, y'all. <laughs> hey, and if you want to know more about it, uh, what can they find Find out more information about that at, Keith? Um, I'll put the link in the uh, chat room. Okay. All right. She'll put the link in the chat room. And for those that's not in the chat room, I'll read it out loud to you in a little while. All right? Yeah. That sounds like a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me get that. (laughs) All right. So, with that being said, man, let's go on and kick it out to the real show. Once again, my name is Mr. Talk. You're listening to Let's Talk on Blog Talk Radio. Got my host, co host, T. Ross Ryan, shotgun gun with me. And um, we talking reparations and Iran today. And, uh, man, I tell you, I cannot wait, because this is going to be deep, y'all. It's going to be deep, deep, deep. We got some sound bites for you. And, um, hey, we have you, the listener. And, um, you know, we highly encourage you to join our conversation today. Whether you're in the chat room or you're going to call in. Either way, talk to us, because that's what the name of the show is, Let's Talk. And, you know, it's a good thing to have conversations on topics. You know, to, to, so we can understand each other. I think part of the problem we have today as a society is we don't want to talk with each other. Now, listen to what I said. Talk with each other. I didn't say talk, talk to each other. With each other. And there is a difference. Because a lot of times people are talking, but they're talking to you or trying to talk over you. You know what I mean? So, with that being said... Uh, <laughs> um, with that being said We're going to move right along If you want to comment on anything we have to say I mean, I'm sorry so, uh, Let me tell you how to be a part of the show My, my, my mind got sidetracked there real quick 347-838-8622 is the number Email is ericletts, L-E-T-S, talk at gmail.com and the chat room is open at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. Okay? There it is. Bam. Boom. 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 Okay. Now, with all that being said, let's get on our first topic here because I really want to spend a lot of time on this reparation hearing that went on um, Wednesday past because there was some interesting things said um, during that. And it was really, really good, man. It was really good. The conversation it was good about Bill HR forty. But let's get on with this thing about Iran. 
All right, so I'm sure you heard on the news today and you've been given uh, um, on your news feeds or whatever about um, the president going ahead and and, um, (laughs) the president going ahead. um, uh, Well, man, why can't I talk right now? The president going ahead and stopping a supposed strike against the Iran. Okay, now, and the reason behind it, he said, because he was told that 150 people would be killed, and he felt like that wasn't worth uh, the shooting down of a drone, which is, you know, was going to be the basis of uh, uh, firing these, you know, uh, attacking, and that's what it was going to be, basically, an attack on Iraq, i.e., I mean, Iran, i.e., like they did in Iraq, like, you know, so forth and so on. I, I don't know why I'm so hype all of a sudden. No, I'm gonna get there, y'all. Work with me here. All right. So I done got excited for some reason. Okay. So here it is. Last week, last week. See, this this story goes back for a moment. All right. Last week there was some attack. There was an attack on some oil tankers, um, uh, and United States blamed. Iraq, Iran for it. That they did. They blamed Iran. And this is not nothing we haven't heard before. Let, let me go back and give you a little bit more here. See, this is what happens when the United States, oh, I'm sorry. I got to use my code words because I forgot. Mr. Smith, okay, Mr. Smith, when Mr. Smith want to attack someone or take over and go into invade somebody else's area, they have to create a story to legitimize what they want to do. Okay? Now, and, and yeah, there you go. False flag ops. That's it, Purple Pill. And what happens is there was an attack on some oil tankers out in the Strait of Hernandez. I think that's the, the correct name of it. But, and what happened was they decided to blame Iran for it. Now, of course, as I said before, we've heard this before, uh, the Strait of Hermes, H-O-R-M-U-Z, okay? Now, that was supposed to get everybody up in arms, okay? That was supposed to get everybody up in arms, but the only problem was, the only people who really, really got excited about it was Mr. Smith. Okay, so... Come on back to this week. Okay, there was a drone that was flying over the area, and Iran shot it down. Okay, Iran shot it down. Now, Mr. Smith says it was in international airspace. Iran says it was in Iranian airspace, so that's why they shot it down. People, let's be honest here. We do know that there are civilians. Uh, going on around the world 24-7. And with the addition of drones now in our military, what you think they use them for? Huh? Besides shooting people, they use them for surveillance. So it is possible, it is possible that the drone was in our radio airspace. Now the hardcore believe no, 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 they want to want to try some things. No, 
Let's be, let's look at this as it is. I mean, if you really just want to watch, why not just go, you know, you got satellites up in space. You can spy like that. But, no, we want to get a closer look. So why not, you know, send a drone? But, anyway, so with that, <laughs> go ahead, Purple Pill. I see you. Oh, Lord, Purple Pill putting some things up in my chat room, y'all. But um, it is. So that got everybody, got the, the you know the administration all upset, and so it comes out that there was a strike that was given. You know, say okay, yeah, we we're gonna attack. However, um, Donald Trump, the president, you know, he tweeted out this morning. He said, we were caught and loaded to retaliate last night on three different sites, which I, no, listen to this. When I, I asked, how many will die? 100 people, 150 people, sir, was the answer from a general. Ten minutes before the strike, I stopped it. Not proportionate to shooting down an unmanned drone. He also tweeted, I am in no hurry. Our military is rebuilt. New, ready to go. By far the best in the world. Sanctions are biting and more added last night. Iran can never have nuclear weapons, not against the USA or and not against the world. Okay? Now, that's what this man true tweeted. Here's how he created his own. Here's how he created this mess himself. His administration was so much in a hurry, so in a hurry to uh, eliminate the Obama administration's policies that he went and canceled the nuclear deal with that was um, uh, coordinated with Iran. Okay, and let's be honest, it was it was a deal and it was working. You had, they actually had um, the International Atomic Energy Agency repeatedly certified that Iran was sticking to the agreement, okay? And it wasn't developing anything, nothing. All right. Um, y'all remember the deal was in 2018. That's when he pulled out the deal. Let's see, what else we got on this? Uh, see, I have to give you the background because they're not going to tell you the background. October the 3rd, listen to this. October the 3rd, 2017, then Secretary of Defense James Mathis testified before the Senate Armed Services Committee that Iran was adhering, adhering to the agreement. When he, yep. was, specific, when he was specifically asked by Senator Angus King of Maine whether he believed the deal was in U.S. national security interest, he replied, yes, Senator, I do. I do. So, honestly, there was no reason, none whatsoever, to cancel this disagreement. So now he goes in, and as I said, it was a planned attack. You know, as soon as we get in, we eliminated all the bomber error policies that we can, and that's what he did. You know, that's a whole different story in itself, but we, we're not going to go there. Yet. Anyway, continue on. Now let's not let's remember that James Mattis, like a lot of others in the administration, resigned. You know he left. Now, if you look at this and you look at where we are now, 
doesn't that kind of go to get together like um, somebody wasn't on the same sheet of music and since you and we do we do know for those that do not agree with forty five, they don't they don't hang around long. We know this. All right, I'm just keep that in the back of your mind. But then again, here comes that man. You know we you know we in the neighborhood we like to say, Mama, here come that man. Y'all know who that man was? Is John Bolton. And John Bolton, y'all, I, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago. John Bolton is a straight up, out and out warmonger. That's all he believes in war. John Bolton has been advocating for the overthrow of the Iranian uh, leadership for years, for years. He doesn't believe in diplomacy. No, he doesn't believe in sanctions. Only thing he believes in, go in, get rid of who's in charge, and let's put our puppets in place. And that's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. But Iran is like, wait a minute, hold up. This not going to happen. No, 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 no. We will not be bullied at all. We're not going to be bullied. And good for them. Good for at least somebody finally standing up. Now, let me tell you the other side of this story that people aren't aren't really understanding here. The reason this attack did not go through was not because just 150 people were going to be killed. Now, for those that have been in war or understand the, the principles of war, there's this thing called collateral damage. All right? Anytime any attack is it is planned, there's always a percentage of a percentage calculated of collateral damage. In other words, civilians that may be harmed during the attack. Okay? Now, listen to what I'm saying. So hundred and fifty people probably wasn't that large of a a a a, a, a uh, percentage that, you know compared to if they really wanted to go in. I'm just telling y'all now. So stop, stop, stop believing all that hype that that he's sitting out talking about. He didn't want to kill 150 people. Because in the big picture, military action that is not uh, really that important. And if it was, they would be over doing something about Saudi Arabia over there killing those folk in Yemen. All right. Oh, we would have never uh, bombed or uh, started bombing Iraq and, and what have you, but I'm not going into that yet. Anyway, come back to this. The real reason this attack was called off, because if there was an actual attack, it's guaranteed there would have been a war that started, without a doubt. The problem with it is, the international community, the international community, i.e. our allies, would not have backed the United States up. Simple as that. They would not. So, in other words, the United States would have been in this thing all by themselves. Not in addition, let's let's really look at this. You start a war with, with Iran, okay? You start war with Iran, you can surely believe Russia is going to be involved. 
Russia's coming. All right? China may become involved. So now you got a war. You got three countries against one. I don't care how big you are, how good you are. That's a lot of fighting for uh, one country to do. Great Britain has their own problems. Great Britain has their own problems going on right now. Excuse me. Great Britain has their own problems going on right now. So they they wouldn't be able to help. France wasn't going to come. See, and this all goes back to the Iraq War. Because once the truth came out that all those so-called indicators of mass weapons of mass destruction was fabricated, that ruined the reputation. Not to mention that this president had really, really um, alienated the United States, uh, alienated from um, the United States from the international community. Nobody likes that man, and because they don't like him, they ain't gonna. They're not trying to help the United States do anything. So that was the true reason why this attack was called off. That is the reason. So don't buy the hype about, oh, I wanted to save 150 people for an unmanned drone. That wasn't the reason at all. And honestly, not this, uh, about a week or two ago, they tried, Iranians, Iran tried to shoot down another drone. So if that was the case, then you, they could have attacked then. But the real reason is there's no support for this. The international community is not buying this. It's not buying. It's well known that John Bolton and Pompeo are warmongers. That's what it is. Overthrow regimes. Overthrow. Overthrow. And quietly as it's kept, the same thing is going on in Venezuela. So, again, don't buy the hype. All right? You heard it right here. I said it. Yeah, I said it. You heard it right here on Let's Talk with Mr. Talk. That's right. That's what that, that is what is really going on there. Not to mention... Let's not forget, 2020 is right around the corner, y'all. Election, election. You know, going into an election year, you don't want to be uh, responsible for starting a war where you're sending other people's children to die. Let's also remember that this man, he 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 thrives on what he thinks is his popularity, you know, how great he is. And you believe me, if he was to start a war right now, people wouldn't think he was so great, those that do. So all this played in that decision, that played in the decision for him not to, to start this, this strike, to stop it. Because it wouldn't end it favorably for him. the matter that is the truth let me bring my I know y'all tired of listening to me let me bring my 
Hosting and, and let her get some of this. P, what you think about the situation? Am I on target or am I drifting to the right a little bit? No, because when you have a narcissistic behavior, they're always going to do what they think, you know, everybody's going to appreciate and applaud them for. And it, you you cannot go into a war, like you said, with three countries and, and there's no support for you. So he, re, he rethought his options because, let's face it, we know that things have been done, you know, and the false flags and all of that, that cost right here on American soil, so-called American soil, where more than 150 lives were lost in order to promote an agenda. We already know this. So you talk about 100, 150 lives, like they, they, you know, really matter to you? Man, let, let's stop playing. You know, anybody who falls for that, knowing the history, you know, of 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 this country and the tactics that they that they utilize, you know, in order to accomplish things or, you know, to promote their, you know, what they want to accomplish. Let's put it that way. Lives never come into play. That's never a discussion. That, that is never a discussion that is had. You know, whether it's, whether it's blowing up a ship, shooting a plane at the air, you know, whatever. Taking over a whole entire continent, removing the people, you know, who were there first. Lives never come into play. Or I should say the safety the sanctity of life never come into play. We know this. We know mm-hmm. this. So why, so, why, so why play the game? Because that's what it is. It's a dangerous one, but it is a game. <laughs> oh, and, and, I mean, yeah, that's that's the way they look at it anyway. That, that's the way it's looked at, you know, from, from those that, that make the decisions. Interesting. Right. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday about that. You know how politicians are so quick to send um, other people, children, in the harm's way, and you have soldiers out there shooting each other from different countries, not because they really dislike each other, because somebody told them to. Somebody you know, told them to. Exactly. Yeah, somebody told them to. You know, which is uh, is a very interesting. Um, psychological thing, if you really think about it, you know. And I, look, it's deep, okay. And when you think about it, and I'm sure there's plenty of soldiers who have thought about that in the middle of combat. Why well, I'm shooting at this person? Because you know, it takes a lot to shoot, not only fire at someone, but to actually kill someone. It takes a lot. It really does. And when you do it, it takes a lot out of you. No, it does something to you, emotionally. Very, uh, it's definitely emotionally. It does something to you. So, you know, I hope they 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 go ahead and, and you know stay away from that because enough is enough already. Enough is enough. Okay. Anything else you want to add before we go on to this reparation thing? No, not to that. <laughs> okay, because I know you're ready for the reparations. All right, y'all. So that that's what's going on. 
conflict with Iran right now, and uh, we're going to continue to watch it. As I say, we're back on the grind now, so we're going to continue to watch and see what's going on with that. Okay? Um. Okay, hold on. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We we got somebody want to add something to it real quick. I, I'll let them get in here real fast. All right, Triple One, welcome to the show. Who do I have in? What you got for me? Hello, guys. It's Joe. How you well, doing? Hello, Joe. Hey, Hi. P, where you been? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never mind. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Were you talking about um, the Iran conflict, uh, the potential Iran conflict, the, the shooting of the drone? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um, um, I heard part of what you said, and I got a little bit busy. The thing is, um, a lot. Some people are saying that um, Trump should have reacted and really sent in a tour de force onto our uh, Iran soil. I'm glad that he that he showed restraint. I was worried about him before he got elected because I didn't vote for him, and I thought he was a megalomaniac, and I didn't know if I could trust him with his button, with his finger on the button of the football. But if he's going to show restraint um, over something like this. I'm glad. Um, I think some people believe that he did the right thing, but he he's in a situation where it doesn't matter what he would have done. If he didn't go in, then just the media, you know, they're in, they're kind of um, insinuating that he's a coward. If he did go in, they would have insinuated he was a neocon. I'm glad that he didn't have to risk any boys' lives on foreign soil for a drone that had no people in there. So, um, I'm glad, and that's my opinion. What happened? Oh. Happened? I'm, nothing happened. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, well, what I was saying, yeah, Joe, and, you know, that, that is a great point, but what I was saying is, you know, I think what happened was he realized that if he did, you know, actually do that, allow that to happen, it was going to be something terrible, you know, going to happen because he wouldn't have had he wouldn't have had any support whatsoever. I don't care who it was, especially not from the allies. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So if he go in there from that country, you know, it, uh, if you if he, he went in and bombed that country. And came, you know, it was going to be a bad thing. It really was. Not only, mm-hmm. not only, not only for the international, but as I was saying, it's an election year coming up. You know, no president wants to start a war just before election time. You know, because you know that could be used against him in, in well, the worst actually, way. Historically, presidents have actually engaged in war in order to rally around the country, especially when they've uh-huh. had. Uh, uh, failing economic times, the poll numbers are down. Um, uh, the United States, other countries, that's what the presidents and dictators do, actually. They they would rather start a war because when you start a war, people say, okay, now it's time to get behind the president. You know, we're fighting for our whatever it is, if it's freedom, democracy, republic, um, you know, our pride. So, um, oh, yeah, but he would have been criticized no matter what. But the thing, since he 
since we didn't lose people inside of, inside the drone, I don't think we should send. We have, let's see, we got so much time in order to deliberate and to find out what really happened and to go in. We don't need to have a knee-jerk reaction. Um, and I, you know, a lot of people would have criticized him if he did go in, of course. But if we continued, then you know, a bunch, millions of people would have said, "Okay, look, I don't like him, but our boys are dying. Um, they did attack us. Let's give them hell." You know, that's just the way it is traditionally. But you know, you know, Joe, you got you got to look at it. <laughs> They they sh- they 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 shot a missile at a drone. <laughs> Come yeah. on, that mm-hmm. they shot they shot a missile at a drone, a surveillance drone. That you know the U.S. is saying, okay, it was on international waters. You know, okay, well, all right. But let's be realistic now. You know, when when we look at the things that we've done, not shooting at a drone, mm-hmm. okay, by actual people, and yeah. then saying, oh, well, that wasn't the target, we got misinformation, you know, and, 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 and wives and children and innocent civilians are killed because, okay, you got the wrong information, really? When you go in and blow up whole countries, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, dis- disenfranchised, you know, entire countries don't don't bother to go back and try to restructure the people's lives. You know, but they just shot at a drone. No, you know, no lives were lost. So really, I mean, come on, let's 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 think about it. I can understand all the political, you know. Uh, you know all the political machinations that are dark, that that are looked at in there. I can understand that and how. Oh yeah, we got to you know we got to show them who. Okay, right, right, right. But that's a drone. Think about the lives you have destroyed. You know, for gold, for mineral rights. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. You know, for oil. Yeah. You know, come on. It does not compare. I mean, when you really look at the bottom line of it, it really does not compare. Because you want to bully somebody into doing what you want them to do about a nuclear arms race that really don't even exist. Because you've already pulled out other treaties said, oh, we're not going to participate in this. Everybody else can do what they want to do. You want to pull out, but you still want to dictate what everybody else can have and what everybody else can do with their nuclear arms. Does that make any sense? Well, okay. That's what I've been saying. I'm saying I was glad that he did not uh, further pursue this particular aggressive action. You remember? I'm saying he did the right thing. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, he's still sending additional troops over in that area. This is what he see. It's it's a it's a double edged sword. It's a, like a, a, a throw the rock and hide your hands. I, you know, we're not going to do anything right now, but I'm going to send additional troops over there in that area. Well, he did that. Yeah, his decision to do that was before the drone got hit. Uh, right. Yeah. The rock. 
Right, he did. Yeah. He 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 did. And that's those are those are only the number of troops that we know about. Oh yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> yeah, in Vietnam oh, they sent yeah. over I forget hey. what they called them, but um, as yeah. lawyers, advisors, and then all of a sudden yeah, you have a full blown war. Exactly. You know, you can't you can't go by what the what the media is printing because those are only lies and half truths. So, you know, mm-hmm. you really can't go by that. Yeah. Yeah, and when you got advisors like John, when you when you, when you have oh, advisors man. like John, John Bolton, it's yeah. a ter- ter- yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a terrible thing. All right, let's bring the Yankee into the conversation. We're going to hurry this through because I want to get the reparations. All right, go ahead, Pianke. Welcome to the show. What you got for me? Hey, Eric. Joe and the lady. Joe, you need to call me. Yeah, Joe, you need to call me sometime. You know, uh, I want the United States to be the dominant military power in the world because I'm a United States citizen. It benefits me. I don't want to see Iran starting to produce commercial airlines. And sell them around the world. Why is that? Because it takes businesses from Boeing, Lockheed, and other American manufacturers. Worse enough, we got to compete with Airbus. And Boeing in St. Louis hire a lot of black engineers. You know, just since you know people like to cater to uh, that type of things. Well, so, thank no, you. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt that the United States is, Mr. Smith, uh, the United States doesn't have the most technological advanced and, and strongest military. There's no doubt about that. But just because you, you, you're the baddest, you go and just beat up on everybody, just going to take well, what you want, right? Well, here's the thing, Eric. <clears throat> One thing you have to do is protect your trade routes. And it takes military to do it. Even during the time of ancient Egypt, when their forces went clean over to what's now Turkey to fight the Hittites. They had to maintain a supply route of food, horses, chariots, so on and so on. It took a military to do that. And that's what we have to maintain. We have to become and still be a major power in this world, economic power, whatever it takes. I sure wouldn't want to be working under them dang gone Chinese. I mean, I don't know. Would you, Joe? Nah, um, you have good points. Um, but I'm a guy that's, I'm a, uh, as you know, a libertarian, and I believe that um, we should try to negotiate for that. Trade routes are especially important, and if we couldn't get that through negotiation, and if they try to squeeze us out from using the Panama Canal, Suez Canal, et cetera, then I think military um, force that's, is necessary. That's what they would try to do. You remember the Barbary? Barbary Joe? Coast? Right. Yeah, the that's Barbary. what brought about the yeah. United States Navy. Now, I'm not going to say totally because you had some sorts of a Navy during the Civil War. But when U.S. ships would sail through the Straits of Gibraltar and working its way on up into what we now call the Middle East, heck, you had Barbary pirates that used to, you know, attack the ships and take yeah. the, the goods. Well, you know, you know what, Pierre? I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, there. 
you know, it's interesting that these ships get attacked, and all of a sudden it's Iran's fault when there's a history of pirates attacking ships out there in that area already. Anyway. You understand? Anyway, well, so, you, know, you know what I'm going to say on that, this. Use, to, to use that, you know, mm-hmm. as, as I got something a on quote, unquote, too. jumping point, you know, to try and, and go and attack another country is just not, not a, a feasible thing to do. Now, here's the thing. And you've been in the military, Eric, and I'm—I don't know how the lady she may be up on this, but that drone. And you look at the map where it showed the two different red spots where U.S. intelligence say that the drone was, and where Iran said the drone was, and it's only like a stone throw away. Well, hell, right. that drone right. could—that drone could have been hijacked. Shit, I'm not hijacked, but hacked. Could have been hacked. Oh, oh. We've had. Hold on. Wait a minute. Wait. 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 Stop. Now. See. See. Now. Now. Okay. I, I'm. I'm not disputing that point of it, Tianki. I'm not because that is a good mm-hmm. point. However, and I think Joe remember this conversation I had last. What was last year? A couple of years ago, when them ships were getting run into, having you know getting run into, and I said they were hacked, and everybody was like, no, there you no, go. it didn't. It didn't happen like that, and then later on it came out that it was a big possibility that is what happened. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that yeah. They had, you remember they had a drone flying in the excursion that's going on in Syria, and next thing you know, the son of a gun was on his way back to his base to fire missiles at it. So yeah. yes, Russia's got that capability, and you don't know who else has got that capability that would benefit. And, you know, really, United States, only time you need drones is when you're in what's called low altitude. Any other time, you got geostationary satellites. You still have those spy planes. What is the U-3? Yeah. Matter of fact, a black I woman said, flies one of them. Yeah, the U-3. Yeah. If they need Look, it, they I can said, bring the SR-71 back into operation. Look, I said that as well earlier. I, I said that. You know, apparently, mm-hmm. they said this drone was at, what, 50,000 feet or something like that. that that's not low at all. You know, I mean, well, it's well, below the clouds where the satellites yeah. wouldn't be affected. Yeah, well, you know, and, and here's here's the thing. Well, where I live at, they fly drones around all the time, and I'm I look at it. You know, so you know, it just it, it just doesn't sound right. It really don't doesn't. But I got other people want to come into this conversation. I really want to get to reparations though, but I'm gonna give them a chance. Yeah, to I want to talk on that too. I, yeah. I put myself I on mute, Eric. All right. Let's see, Triple One, welcome to the show. Who do I have here? Hello, Mrs. Hall. Well, hello, Mays. How are you? My question is, why are they in? Why are they there in the first place? Unless they are there to cause problems. Why? Why That's is the question. there? Why would they be over there, the ships and all of that, messing with those people? Because that's what they went there for. Do they have an emergency to be there? What is the purpose of them being over there? The ships and everything, in the plane. Because they said it was a military plane before the drone. They should have shot the military plane down in their space. But they did. They just shot the drone down just to show that they were not there to harm anybody. So you have to look at these two crooks that trying to start a war for some reason, which they love, and there wasn't nobody in it with them. So that's why they had to call it back. If they had somebody that was going to stand with them, they would have went on and did it anyway yesterday. And it had nothing to do with nobody liking anybody. It's the stupidity you're trying to trying to uh, put sanctions on people and do a regime change. That's what the problem is. Yeah. So why are that, they there? That is true. But why are well, they over there? 
Why didn't you well, the water? Well, they were over there in the water because they were sent there because there was quote unquote intelligence that um, Iranian dissidents and those you know were were threatening to American um, citizens in that area. So that's why the ships were sent over there. So yeah. if you get out of the treaty, if you got out of the treaty, but you're going to go mess with people, and you left the treaty, they didn't exactly. they what they were supposed to do, but you're going to leave the treaty. Yeah. So that's what you need to be looking at, not who you like and what you like. It's what you see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you ain't got no business over there. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, all right, that's thanks, the way I man. see it. All right, thanks, man. I got somebody else want to come in, all right? Good point, though, good point. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. Who do I have here? Miss Lady. Lady. And Miss mm-hmm. Mays is absolutely right. False flags, uh, uh, setting up circumstances to get people on your side so you can go into somebody's country, march in there with your military might and all your war weaponry, um, destroy their uh, land and their people, and take over their resources. That's all it is. It's nothing new. Um, did you read the book Confessions of an Economic Hitman, written by John Perkins? John Perkins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nothing has changed. And you know, when you're thinking about, you know, um, Egypt and Timothy, you know, when there were women, rulers, Cleopatra, that all was the war. And as soon as they were killed off by the people, war started. It's just a very evil, greedy, power-hungry, And that's all I got to say right now. Hmm. All right. <laughs> huh. yeah, interesting. Well, All Eric, right. Thank you. I, I hear what yes, people are saying, but the United States have business interests over in that area. Kuwait is an ally. Saudi, Saudi uh-huh. Arabia is an ally. ExxonMobil is operating in that area, and probably a hundred or more other businesses in that area, in the region that's working. You know, when an American business puts their goods on the open seas it's the duty of the United States Navy to protect them from whatever uh, coming around the coast of Arden, uh, coast of Somali, wow. there's the port of Arden, you got Somali wow. pirates, that's causing oh, all please. sorts of havoc so you talked about that but well, here's the point yeah. if anybody no, no, in any country well hang on, I'm just going real quick if any country got enough nerves to attack a United States business in their area, they need to be destroyed. So they need to get them over there. That's what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And not about the business. It's about you know, them over there trying to take over people's land they ain't paying for. Well, look. They need it, to it, get pushed uh, away. You know, everybody, everybody's going to have their, their, their views on this. Uh, but honestly, you know, let's, let's, let's be real about this. The United States never goes in goes anywhere or gets involved with anything unless they have some interest in it and they want you know they want to control something. Simple. Now, Pianki, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I really do. But my question is, my question is, why is it our Navy's responsibility to to 
defend the whole world. That's not our military. Well, that's what that's one thing that Trump is trying to get out of. Now, what fleet is that over in that area? I know they reactivated oh, the Fifth Fleet from South America. What fleet uh, is that in that area? I think that fleet is commanded by an African-American, but I'm not oh, sure. Mr. I'll find out. Mrs. Hall, well, well, that way they're talking about immigrants huh? coming over here, but you over there in their country messing them up. Why do you think people, uh, they don't let them live in peace? Leave them alone. They'll stay where they at. And let them work their own uh, oil and fields and everything. Talking about Exxon. Exxon should have been sued and put out of business a long time ago. Well, you know, they have... They have their interests, and you know they 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 make money through through yeah. um you know stocks and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it, it is what it is. You know, we just keep paying attention and, and see what what goes on. Okay, all right. So let's let's get to reparations here because I really want to talk a little bit about that. This past Wednesday there was a hearing in um in the House on reparations, and you had different individuals that spoke at this hearing. So, uh, Danny Glover, I think that's his name. Danny Glover, right? He, right. Yeah, Danny, Glover. Danny Glover. Yeah. Danny Glover. Of course, of course, didn't have to understand what he was saying. I think he was uh, high or something. But anyway. <laughs> no, um, he's just old. He's just old. Okay, he's just old. Okay, but anyway, so we had that going on, and there were some interesting comments made uh, during that, that that hearing, and I'm just gonna play this first clip. So you kind of get a get a kind of sort of understanding of what was said, and we're gonna go from there. All right. So it's only about three minutes long. Here we go. Hi. This is the first time in 12 years Congress is having a hearing about reparations. Massive crowds turning out for the debate today. The conversation has been gaining new attention from Democrats ahead of 2020, but Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says even researching what could be done, he says it's not a good idea. We've, you know, tried to deal with our original sin of slavery by fighting a civil war, by passing uh, landmark civil rights legislation. Uh, we've elected an African-American president. Uh, I think we're always a work in progress in this country, uh, but no one currently alive was responsible for that. Tone of the room serious, but quite contentious. And the real dilemma posed by reparations is just that, a dilemma of inheritance. It is impossible to imagine America without the inheritance of slavery. As historian Ed Baptist has written, enslavement, quote, shaped every crucial aspect of the economy and politics of America, so that by 1836, more than 600 million, or almost half of the economic activity in the United States derived directly or indirectly from the cotton produced by the million-odd slaves. There are serious questions about this from, from all sides of the political spectrum, and they're honest and sincere questions that we want to address. But putting aside the injustice of monetary reparations from current taxpayers for the sins of a small subset of Americans from many generations ago, the, let me finish. The, the fair distribution of reparations would be nearly impossible once one considers the complexity of the American struggle to abolish slavery. We have an obligation to acknowledge that any monetary reparations that might be recommended by the commission created by H.R. 40 would almost certainly be unconstitutional on their face. The reason for that, listen, wait a minute. The the reason for that is a legal question. See, the legal question is the federal government can't constitutionally provide compensation today 
to a specific racial group because other members of that group, maybe several generations ago, were discriminated against and treated inhumanely. I sit here as the great-grandson of a former slave, Mary Brown, who was freed by the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 1863. I had the fortune of meeting her as a small child. H.R. 40 is in fact, is in fact the response of the United States of America long overdue. Slavery is the original sin. Slavery has never received an apology. I just simply ask, why not? And why not now? Okay, and that was just a little couple of snippets from the, um, the, the hearing that went on Wednesday, okay? As you can see, there's so much going on, and everybody testified. You know, they had, you know, Danny Glover talking about, he, you know, his history, and you had some other other individuals, uh, you know, and, and they really spoke very interesting things. They spoke quite well, really. And, of course, everybody did with everything, you know, everything that was said. Uh, you had uh, one situation here. You had Colts. And um, this guy named, uh, yeah, you had Tanishi, Tanishi Coates and, and Coleman Hughes, who, you know, said some very interesting things as far as, as you know, reparations. Um, Coates said, well into this century, the United States was still paying out pensions to the heirs of Civil War soldiers. We honor treaties that date back some 200 years, despite no one being alive who signed those treaties. And that was in response to Mitch McConnell's statement about America should not be held liable for something that happened 150 years ago, since none of us currently alive are responsible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He went on to say what they know, uh, what this committee must know is that while emancipation dead voted the door against the bandits of America, Jim Crow wedged the windows wide open. And that is the thing about Senator McConnell, something it was 150 years ago. Uh, and then we get to Mr. Hughes. And, you know, listen, listening and watching Mr. Hughes, a lot of individuals got really, really upset with what he was saying. Um, and I was like, eh, this guy don't know what he's talking about. Well, going back and reading, you know, what he said, it, it had a little, little validity to it. But a lot of it didn't, but I'm going to go ahead and read some of the things he said. He said, but I worry that our desire to fix the past compromises, our ability to fix the present. Think about what we're doing today. We're spending our time debating a bill that mentions slavery 25 times and incarceration only once. In an era with no black slaves, but nearly a million black prisoners. A bill that doesn't mention homicide once at a time when the Center for Disease Control reports homicide as the number one cause for death for young black men. I'm not saying acknowledging history doesn't matter. It does. I'm saying there's a difference between acknowledging history and allowing history to distract us from problems we face today. He went on to say, black people don't need another apology. We need safer neighborhoods and better schools. We need less punitive criminal criminal 
justice system. We need affordable health care, and none of these things can be achieved through reparations for slavery. If we were to pay reparations today, we would only divide the country further, making it harder to build the political coalitions required to solve the problems facing black people today. We should... What we should do is pay reparations to black Americans who actually grew up under Jim Crow and were directly harmed by second-class citizenship, people like my grandparents. But paying reparations to all descendants of slaves is a mistake. I understand that reparations are about what people are owed, regardless of how well they're doing. I understand that. But the people who are old for slavery are no longer here, and we're not entitled to collect on their debt. Now, that is what Mr. Hughes said, <laughs> which is interesting in itself. It, it really was. Um, and you had uh, a former NFL player, Burgess Owens, who sat down and said some interesting things as well. We'll play a clip on him in a little while. But I just want to talk about that for a moment. What are y'all thoughts about um what those two individuals um, had to say. And we'll start with P. P, what were your thoughts on that when you said and listened to that? Uh, who? Which ones are you talking about? I was typing. I'm sorry. Oh, we're talking about Colts and uh, Hughes. You remember oh. the conversation? Yeah. See, number one, a house divided is not going to ever stand anyway. Now, we were talking about earlier, you know, and I, when the one man was talking about, well, just, you know, you just got to pull them up by your bootstrap. Everybody's not able to do that. Yes, you came from a good background. Your parents, both of your parents were there. They were able to get you, you know, into a good, you know, to steer you towards education and all of that. But if the bootstraps that you're wearing are already inferior, you can steps behind anyway. Because each time you're going to try to pull them up, it's going to break. And that's the thing. Nobody is really looking at the real issues. Everybody is talking about money. Everybody is talking about a check. And it's not about a check. It's about having the, 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 the necessary things that you need Without being kicked back every 10 times you try to move forward, taking away the programs that you initiate yourself for your community, by your community, by yourself, and coming in and killing up, you know, a whole class of people because they're economically successful within themselves and by themselves without your help disenfranchising black fathers so they leave the homes or are made to leave the homes so then the women can cry for welfare. And then that becomes generational. And uh-huh. you want to say, oh well, oh, well, that's referee. No, it's not. That is a program that was designed to oppress you even further. Because when a father is not in that home, who's teaching the sons to work? Who's teaching the sons how to be a man? Who's teaching the sons how to be responsible black men for their black family? Not to assimilate. 
into something and into a place that we were never called to be. That's the thing, and nobody wants to say that. Because the legacy of this so-called country is that if you don't look like us, act like us, you know, if you don't try to be like us, then you can't be successful. And that's a lie. Stop perpetuating the lie. We didn't ask to come. Our ancestors didn't ask to come here. You brought us here. And nobody really wants to admit the truth. And that the, the public school system, once it was integrated, so-called desegregated was the worst thing that could have possibly happened because they really didn't want to educate our kids in the first place. So going in from day one, it was a double fight. And if anybody remembers who started school during that time in 1969, 1970, 1968, during that era in the South when schools were desegregated, the Caucasian children were able to take books home. Black children were not able to take books home. So there were certain privileges that were afforded to others that were not afforded to us. As I said, two steps behind starting already. So don't give me this pull, pull, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Don't give me this mess about we're better off than, than we were when and where for maybe the top 10% who agree to assimilate, yes, you are. Because you're still dictated by what the master wants you to do. You're still following that same mentality and that same ideology, regardless of how you try to dress it up, regardless of, 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 of how you say, well, this is, yeah, that's what works for you. But as a class uh-huh. of people, as a class of people, it's really not working for all of us. And contrary to popular belief, it's not just by fault of their own. It is systematic. And it has been systematic. Mm-hmm. And once we, once we get past the lies, and really sit down and have a, a, a conversation, a real conversation about class oppression and racial oppression in this country, it never will get anywhere because it will always be them against us and us against them. Because wow. we in love ourselves because there is no unity in the black community are always going to side and always going to down and always, you know, going to defame those who we think are less than us. Rather uh-huh. than trying to back and say, okay, this is the way you can do it. Not this is what I did. I got mine, so you got to get yours. And that's what I heard from those two people. That was basically the ideology and basically the bottom line of what they were saying. That, that's all I got on them. No All right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, like I said, man, that was deep. <laughs> um, um, and as I said before, I got another soundbite from Burgess Owens, and um, that's the former NFL player that basically was saying, I got mine, get yours. We'll play that in a little while. But but let me hear what uh, Joe has to say, the, 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 those two comments that were made, those other comments. All right, Joe, talk to me. Yeah, well, both points, both sides of the um, of the argument make pretty good points. 
slavery was ended, but Jim Crow did proceed from there, and um, its insidious effects um, were very powerful and affect the black people today. Um, plus, there's the other side about, well, the people who did um, commit the atrocities of slavery, they're not alive, and the recipients, the victims of slavery, are not alive. So who and how are we going to um, um, tabulate and calculate what the payment should be? I think there should be a further discussion about not only reparations, but as Pete said, is there systematic racism today? There are people, who, black people, who say no, and there are people who say yes. So I'd like to um, um, uh, hear listen to uh, those an honest debate to bring out the um, the, the points of both sides. So that's all I got to say about it right now. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Joe. Um, let, let me bring uh, P. Yankee in. Uh, all right, P. Yankee, what you got? Eric, make sure you uh, Joe, get my phone number or my email, please. Hey, but no, uh, I agree with Mr. I don't agree with everything he said, Coleman and Hughes. He was pretty accurate. Uh, United States government, the United States began in 1789. Slavery ended in 1865. That's 80, That's 76 years. The United States government did not profit off of slavery. Jim Crow, Joe, was Jim Crow a federal enactment or was it state and local? It was state and local. So I, if people want to go after those state and local governments, it's perfectly fine. There's two ways to seek this redress. One is judicially and the other is by congressional act- enactment. The most recent cases in, at the judicial level, which was last heard at the Seventh Circuit in Chicago under Judge Posner, he dismissed it with with prejudice and mean that they can bring it back. But that's when they was trying to sue railroads. There's mm-hmm. any, there was no ability to show where any person was directly related to any of these individuals. Nor is there any evidence that any of these individuals authorized someone to adjudicate on their behalf. Now, what you heard here the other day, Wednesday, was basically begging, pleading, and playing on people's morals. That's what it was. It's already been played out in the courts. So the only thing else is you can do is try to get something from some politician because Congress can spend money however it want to. Hmm. Right? Well, I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. True. But under what pretense? Who? I, as a U.S. citizen, don't want to pay toward that. And we all not the same. There's educational facilities and all sorts of things that's been enacted in order to correct that problem. From 1866, 1866 uh, Civil Rights Act, 75, 
which rightfully so. And people mm. are not being uh, justified in uh, being treated as if they are American citizens, then that's fine. There ain't no separate nations in this country. The culture is, is, is American culture. It's not no separate culture. It's different variations of that culture. And if people want to, uh, groups want to start their own thing, well, they can go ahead. The Mormons do it. The Amish do it. And the Quakers do it. Go ahead. Hmm. But uh, okay. like I say, what you seen the other day was a plea on emotions. You had a white woman there who was supposed to have a family, the Wolf family, is supposed to have been one of the largest uh, slaveholders in the country. <clears throat> As I said before, people have said <clears throat> slavery was legal. United States, the cotton did not propel. You know, when cotton was grown in the South, that cotton went to the Gulf to be exported overseas, especially to Britain. When Sherman marched through Atlanta and burned Atlanta, and he went further south and destroyed 12 million bales of cotton. That cotton was earmarked to be exported. But it wasn't governments that but, was profiting from that cotton. It was, it was farmers and cotton growers. And then you know another thing, too? The oh, largest so. shir- uh, slaveholders in your urban areas were black, what we call today, mulatto women who had been manumissed by their white husbands, and they continued the business. Matter of fact, about 80, according to U.S. Census and other records, 83.1% of the slaveholders were females who would be called black today. So when you have this discussion, putting whites up against the wall, well, aren't you going to put these people up against the wall too? And it may be that some of their lineage is still living. There was no records kept. You can't say that if an insurance company did not insure a operation that was going on in the South, even insurance companies that were located in the North where the practice were forbidden, they're trying to say that they shouldn't have been doing business in the South. But if they did not write the policies, is that going to say that the, that the Operation would have stopped. And how did you know that they made money? Because George Washington, when he first, one of his, two of his enterprises was tobacco and indigo. And he lost money on both of them. So it would be a nice discussion program if you had it in the the future. But uh, the only thing you can do is do hits and bits and pits on. uh, and here's another thing. Who's directly? You got blacks today that's mixed, straight to Europe. So if a person that's directly associated with one of those that was brought back in the 1600s, if they get $100, if you take one today, being the fact that they mix with other ethnic groups coming from other parts of the world, that $100 may turn down to $5, being that your blood has been subjugated. You know, thanks. You know, you know, Pinky. I think that's where a lot of individuals get this whole thing about reparations um, messed up. Not to say you didn't make some great points, because you did. You you made some you made some good points. 
you know, and you're right. A lot of lot of the, the slave owners were women. However, does that make it make it right at all? Does that just make it right that you know the, a lot of the cotton was um, done produced to go overseas? Does that make it right? But you can't argue right and wrong in court. You argue the law. Eric, and also well, what see, about all those businesses? How about all those businesses that make women? See, see, that, yeah. that's the thing. You you keep talking about the business, but at the same time, who was on? Who owned the businesses? In other words, there were no blacks owning no businesses back then. But we get back. You to did you, have black. You you had. I send you some. I send you some book titles. You had blacks from 1600 through 1865. Hundreds of business in all different markets, from transportation. Shipping, manufacturing, gunpowder, okay. restaurant. Right. Okay. Matter of fact, George Washington dying in a black restaurant. Okay. Yeah, okay. One of his favorites. All right. All right. Let me thank get you, these sir. other people in. All right. Thank you. All right. May, go ahead. Yes, Mr. Talk. To start with, uh, the people that own the, uh, their ancestors, there's nobody around. They got survivors that still benefiting from all of those companies that were doing the people wrong. Are they still around? It's just like those statues and the stuff that they have in the fit. They always say, but I didn't own no slaves. But you still having a fit about the statues. You wasn't around when they put them up, but you want them to stay. So that's why I don't get it. So when reparations came to the Japanese in the ni- in 1990, and then the Jewish got it in uh, for the Holocaust, the U.S. and uh, the Native Americans got reparations. They're doing a study. They're not saying give a reparation. They're doing a study on reparations. So all they, they study got to be is just take out the time that they, uh, the history of reparation payments. Because when you get down to 1965, the U.S. slavery and Jim Crow, you don't see nothing. You got zero down there. And so the people that pick cotton, that pick cotton, got paid nothing. And the cities that were burned down that were black-owned, what did they get? You still, they still can't get nothing for burning down Oklahoma or when right. they were driving. They can't get nothing. The government won't even give them. They, they are live back. And those, some of those children still living, grandchildren, but they don't have anything to look back on. So you take the Kennedys. They always talk about the Kennedys and all these different companies and everything. What are they children doing? Surviving off of what? Are they surviving off because they went out and worked and got a job? Or are they surviving off the ancestors' goods that they took and did other people? That's what I would like to know. So a study and in, in a, in a hearing on reparations are two different things. So if you're going to do a study, you got to see what you're going to. And, and that that mess that uh, what's his name McConnell, he's lost because his wife is in reparations, and he's still thriving from some other country getting stuff. So when you talk about reparations, just look at the history of the reparations where payments were given to other, except in, except the people in 1865. What did they get? Help build this country And then when they did make something out of themselves It got burnt down Not only Black Wall Street but a whole lot of towns That got burnt down And now they call them the inner city So those mm-hmm. people need mm-hmm. reparation They need to be rebuilt up And their grandchildren, their great grandchildren The children after that should be able to live the way Their grandparents were living Even if they're not here anymore That's what I say about the whole thing But you find some people like that That football player They paid him to read what he had to say he didn't come off the top of his head. He had to read it. I'm skeptical of those kind of people. And we haven't seen him anymore. Nobody asked him no questions. Finish with my part because I'm not long. I don't have to be long. Not finished <laughs> for right now. That's all, all I right, well, All right. <laughs> Thank you, man. 
Yeah. I know we keep we keep we keep mentioning this football player. We're gonna get to him right after this next caller. All right, Triple One, welcome to the show. What you got for me? Oh, my call had accidentally dropped previously. This is Miss Lady. Um, Maze makes good points, and I have to say that logical fallacy Mitch McConnell threw out there, uh, it's just so obvious when he named Obama. Well, well, he was the first black president. That's reparations. That's the most silly, (laughs) silly um, statement he could have made, Um, as if that has, him being president has anything to do with the legacy of slavery and its aftermath, resulting in present-day economic severe inequality. Um, That's what you call racial showcasing per Neely Fuller. And he actually um, talked about that being one of the tactics white supremacists use. Well, they'll throw out, you know, a, a celebrity or a wealthy person like an Oprah or an Obama and say, see, um, they made it, they're doing okay, so, you know, y'all don't have no excuse why you're at the bottom. And it's pretty much that's what y'all he was doing was racial showcasing. You know, slavery, Jim Crow, all of the evils associated, the ongoing discrimination up until present day, because <clears throat> it hasn't gone away, um, has nothing to do with Obama being placed in, in the seat of the presidency. Um, and so, you know, I just want to, I, I'm telling you, uh, Kunology School is doing real well these days. Uh, and uh, there's a whole lot of Negro babble going on. Um, and you have to be able to, I can't hardly listen to it. It's so sickening. Um, but they put those people like that football player intentionally up there, um, <clears throat> you know, to to cast aspersions and throw thorns. And um, some of the people that they had speaking pro-reparations were they shouldn't have had speaking um, at all. Um, and so, you know, it's all been, it's, it's kind of being orchestrated, I think, which takes away from the real issue about, you know, the necessity for reparations. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Okay, all right. Thank you, Miss Lady. Okay. okay. All right, let me bring this next call in. We got to get to this clip. All right, uh, area code six one zero. Welcome to the show. Who do you? Who are you? And what you got for me? What's good, bro? This is Donnie. I'm just calling. Uh, I'm calling from Philly, actually. Um. Oh, I, thank you, you Donnie. First of all, doing good. Doing good. Glad you can join us today. That's what you great, got? Man. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm calling because I don't personally think that reparations will be paid to us. I don't think that reparations should be paid to us. And hear me out. Um, and I'll talk from this angle. The transatlantic slave trade was a hoax. It never happened. There's no proof of it. There are no ships anywhere in any museum. Where are the parts that were cut down to build any of the ships, right? There literally uh-huh. have been thousands of ships built to, to transport these millions of Africans. They said 24.5 million Africans came from the West Coast and Central Africa over to the Americas, but that would have never been possible between the years of 1619 and 1863. Just due to the technology alone, we still have problems with the, with the, uh, 
with the Atlantic Ocean today because the Atlantic Ocean is the most violent ocean in the world. You have 40-foot waves on a regular day. The slaves could have never survived that transport. You see what I'm saying? So, in other words, we're not those, uh, we're not, our people never came from Africa. Like, we so-called American Negroes are the American Aborigines. We are the original people of this land, the Americans. If you read the 1868 definition of American, it says a native of America originally applied to the aboriginals or copper-colored races of people found, found here by the Europeans, but now applied to Europeans and their descendants born in America. So that's identity theft right there. It describes the original people of the Americans right there. It say that we are the copper-colored aboriginals. Now, when you talk to any so-called African-American, which the term African-American has only been used since 1988, you talk to any so-called right. African-American and ask them if they have uh, American Indian in their family, in their bloodline, and we will all tell you, oh, yeah, absolutely, we do. And we don't just have it in our bloodline. We are the original American Indian. So here's my point. Reparations will not be paid to us because the transatlantic slave trade was a hoax. This is just a big-ass distraction I want everybody to know. All this reparation stuff they have in Danny Glover's speech, it's like, come on, man. Um, all this stuff is just a big distraction. What what needs to be paid out, and, and the government knows it, everyone knows it but us, is restitution. We need our land back, see. The thing is, money come and go. If they were to pay us reparations, it would never be enough anyway. You see what I'm saying? But what we Correct. need back is our land. Because reparations is, is money paid for wrongdoings, right? For uh, right. repair, I guess, right? So... Right. With the economy, it's, it's, it's inevitable that the economy will collapse anyway. So we may find ourselves in a situation where we're carrying wheelbarrows of money around for one loaf of bread anyway. So that money means absolutely nothing. What we need back, what we need is restitution. We need our land back. That's what we need. We so-called African Americans are not African at all. We are the original people of this land, Turtle Island. See? And everyone knows that but us because we're so stuck in this whole root. Uh, Kumbaya, which Roots, by the way, was a lie, too. Uh, Alex Haley plagiarized that book from a man named Harold right. Colander who wrote a book called The African in 1963. See? So, Harold Col- I mean, Alex Haley was also sued in court in 1973. Right. And he, he had to pay $650,000 to this man named that Harold is true. for lying about... Yeah. So, but we still believe the story. And, and someone still funded that movie Roots. To, get, to further uh, embed it in our conscious mind, you know, you see what I'm saying? That we are, in fact, from Africa. I heard my mothers and my aunts and my, my, my fathers and, you know, just my people say that when they heard, when they watched the story Roots, they went to school the next day. They were pissed off, you know, because they believed it to be true. And they, right. were, they felt a different type of way about, uh, you know, uh, Europeans or Caucasians, see? So it was all a lie. But the truth is we are the true American Indian, see? Now, what we need to do is our genealogy. Don't do a DNA test because that's a lie, too. The DNA, the DNA tests are designed to place you in Africa, see? So the DNA test cannot determine your ancestry anyway. You know, that science is full science. It's, it's false. It's false. So what, and what we need to do is our genealogy. We need to go back and look at the census records, look at the birth certificate records, and look at all these things and look back and see what our mother's mothers were, you see? See what our father's fathers were. 
do the paper trail because it still exists. It wasn't that long ago that we that we stopped being called American Indian, you know. So do the paper trail because it's there. We'll find we'll find out that we are the indigenous peoples of this land. And see, the whole premise of colonization is to exploit the indig- the resources of the indigenous peoples. So we so-called African Americans being the indigenous peoples of the North American region of the Americas. You know, the easiest way to exploit our resources without compensation is to say that we are from a foreign land, that we come from, what, what is it, 4,200 miles away, and that our ancestry began here as slaves, see, so that we are just coupled in with everyone else. You know, it's just one big melting pot, one big so-called kumbaya of immigrants. They try to make America like it's an immigrant land. It's not, no. America is, has her own crown, you see. And we so-called African-Americans are the royal people of this land. We are the indigenous American aborigines. We are the Americans, the soul people, the rich soul people. That's who we are. So we need to wake up and and stop using these terms like black and African-American. There are no laws written to protect black people. There are no laws on the book written to protect African-Americans. You know, our rights, are, our laws are written, the laws that are written to protect us are in the Civil Rights Act of 1968, which is also known as the Rights of Indians, Public Law 90-284, you know, also in the American Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, in the United, uh, United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, you see. So we need to look in these places, because as long as we call ourselves black and African-American, there are no laws written to protect us. The sooner we understand that, the sooner we'll be able to get it right as a people. See, the sooner we realize who we are, the sooner we'll able to we'll be able to realign with uh, with our people and with you know the Great Spirit and, and our uh-huh. ancestors and just our people, you know, and become one again and work together again. But as long as we think we're black and we're African and, and we're Hebrew Israelites and we're Moors and we're these all this all this nonsense. You see what I'm saying? We'll always be scattered. Yeah, I agree. And divide and mm-hmm. conquer divide and conquer is the oldest strategy in, in, of war. So we need to get it together. It is. And I'm talking fast because I'm out of time. So thank you so much for your time and I appreciate it. You know? All right. Thank you, Donnie. And you spoke a lot of truth there, brother. A whole lot of truth. Thank you for that information. All right. Uh let's see. We still talk of reparations, y'all. Um you know, it's interesting when we start talking reparations. Automatically, everybody starts thinking about money, checks, and what have you. And I think that's where it goes off the rail. Because it's more than just checks. Uh, it really is. But we're going to continue on with that. Here's on the NFL player, Mr. Burgess Owens, and his comments on, on reparations. I want you to recognize for five minutes. Thank you so much for, for this opportunity. Um, I'm going to take a different tack from the beginning. Uh, we are at this point, this is not about black and white, uh, rich or poor, blue collar, white collar. We're fighting for the heart and soul of our nation. We have a very, very special country that started with the Judeo-Christian values that allowed every single generation to become better than the last, and that has not ended, that has not stopped until now. We're telling our kids a little bit something different that they don't have the opportunities that we had. I'm going to talk about some ideologies. And when I talk about them, when I talk about people, people change. I used to be a Democrat until I did my history and found out the, 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 the misery that that party brought to my race. 
So when I talk about these ideologies, ideologies don't change, people do. We are fighting for the heart and soul of our nation against socialism, Marxism, and the evil that it has brought to us in the stealing of our history. Karl Marx said it best, the uh, author, the father of socialism, an atheist, anti-Semite, and a blatant racist, yet we teach his philosophy in our school systems today. He said it, the first battleground is rewriting of, of our history. You steal our history, you steal our pride in our past, our appreciation for our present, and our vision for our future, and every single urban city in our country is now experiencing that loss. Real quick history, because so these are things that we're not taught. I'm blessed to be the great-great-grandfather of Silas Burgess. Came here in the belly of a slave ship. Sold in Charleston, South Carolina with his mother to the Burgess Plantation. An evil, evil man that drove my, my great-great-great-grandmother either to leaving her family or kids or uh, committing suicide. I don't know. She disappeared. But South at eight of age, age of eight, was blessed to be surrounded by men who believed in freedom. Even though they were shackled, they escaped. They went the southern route of the Underground Railroad, facilitated by white and Mexican-Americans. And he's made his way out south to Texas. He ended up being a successful entrepreneur, owned 102 acres of land, paid off in two years. Started the first black church, first black elementary school. Pillar of his community, 18 kids, Christian, Republican, his first son was Alpha Omega, proud American, an example of what happens when any race, any culture is given hope, opportunity, and freedom. It didn't end there, by the way. The history of our black country, of our black America, has been stolen from us for decades, almost over a century. Booker T. Washington, 1882, began Tuskegee University. By 1905, it was producing more self-made black millionaires than Harvard, Yale, and Princeton combined. The 40s, 50s, and 60s, it was a black, country, a black community that led our country in the growth of the middle class, led our country in terms of the men committed to marriage, over 70%, now it's 30%. Led our country in terms of the committed to business ownership, 40%, now it's 3.8%. Men matriculated from college. We now have more, a higher percentage of men in, 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 incarcerated in college. It is, by the way, my degree was biology. And that, I learned a long time ago that slavery is not a gene in the DNA helix. It's our actions, it's our attitude, it's our belief. I do not believe in reparation, because what reparation does, it points to a certain race, a certain color, and it, and it points them as evil, and points the other race, my race, as one that is not only becomes racist, but, the, but also beggars. I do believe in restitution. Let's point to the party that was, that was part of slavery, KKK, Jim Crow, that has killed over 40% of our black babies, 20 million of them. State of California, 75% of our black boys cannot pass standard reading and writing tests, a democratic state. So yes, let's pay rest, 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 restoration. Let's pay rest, restitution. How about a Democratic Party pay for all the misery brought to my race? And uh, those, after, after we learn our history, decide to uh, stay there, they, they should pay also, they're complicit. And every white American 
Republican or Democrat, that feels guilty because of your white skin, you should need to pony up also. That way we can get past this reparation and recognize that this country has given us greatness. Look at this panel. It doesn't matter how we think. The fact is, it doesn't matter our color. We have become successful in this country like no other because of this great opportunity to live the American dream. Let's not steal that from our kids by telling them they can't do it. Thank you. Our next witness will be the Right Reverend Eugene Taylor Sutton. He's Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Maryland, a position held All since right. 2008. Breezy, right, you're recognized for five minutes. Hold on. I don't know why this Thank you so much. Okay. All right. <laughs> there was the, the Burgess Owens, and as you can see, he, he came straight out. He said it's not about what he doesn't believe that because basically it was begging. That sounded a lot like what Becky said, wasn't it? <laughs> It's terrific. But uh P, what you what you say on that? Okay, she must be out busy. Joe, are you there? Yep, yeah, I'm right here. Mm-hmm. Uh what you what you got to say about that, that little clip right there? Well, I wanna hear both sides of the argument. Um I think when he's talking about uh, how blacks were were prosperous and um, back in during, I guess, let me see, I guess the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, um, yeah, he makes some good, um, he makes some good points. Um, and then P also said about a half an hour ago that um, because of either her or Miss Lady said as a result of segregation or yeah, of integration, that um, the plight of the American black went downhill. So I still want to hear both sides because uh, I'm learning. Ooh, let me see, different philosophies, um, different points of view, and I like to know more about it. Okay. All right. Hey, you know what though, Joe? There was a, a economist there on the panel, Miss Julianne Marvel, M A L V E A U X, and she made some great points. You know should be but she she also said you know like a lot of people you know are missing is it's more than just um looking for a check you know it, it's more than that but unfortunately i couldn't get the clip to upload today or last night so maybe i can get to it later on and, and play it for you monday but okay, okay. thank mm-hmm. yeah thank you let me bring Yankee in all right Yankee, talk to me well, Burgess is pretty accurate, not totally. And this thing about uh, somebody stealing history, nobody's stealing any history. The history is there for to be written. The thing is, they want, and I'm not saying everyone, but the thing is, a lot look to others to write that history for them, no matter what the excuse. I mean, you can write history books uh, put out by... Uh, Francis Chris Wilson. You can write history books put out by uh, ancient Egypt and so on, the Moors and so on. Well, write the history that we consider that's being missing. Uh, when the Texas state legislators wanted to uh, suggest it on putting a different narrative regarding slavery, based on the slave narratives, you know, some slaves said they didn't want to have anything to do with this thing called history, whatever their reason was. Well, if you write 
that part that's not being considered. Nobody stopped me from doing that. School districts allow the citizens, the local community, to have whatever kind of curriculum they want, whatever textbooks they want, and also the instructional material. And it is in the state of Missouri, and I'm pretty sure it's probably similar elsewhere, too. And you're absolutely right. It has evolved into, actually, it's transmogrified into this thing where people want these checks. People don't want no checks. And these checks, these checks is not going to come because how would you pull it off? You know, I heard somebody make mention about the Japanese. They said Japanese got paid in 1909. That wasn't true, but that's all right. But the Japanese was living. The people that experienced that were living at the time. The United States government, federal government, has not paid Jews anything toward the Holocaust. Show me where. That's another fable out there. Yes, the Native Americans got compensated because they are mentioned as a sovereign nation in the United States Constitution. And that's how they are handling it. Matter of fact, Joe, it went from being a sovereign nation to basically what it is now. And I can't think of the word that they use. So, no, it's out to put leave the emotions alone. And, you know, another thing, the things that uh, many of the Congress people was making recommendation on, uh, Eric, they're already here. Education is here. Libraries is here. It's inferior. A training is here. It's inferior. And then here's another thing. How you push, how you, you know, in the school district where I come from, they build brand new schools that are, technologically is just as advanced as anybody else. And, and I think I gave you a copy of the newspaper article, Eric, that showed where black school districts, children have more money toward education than white school districts in that area. Did you get that, Eric? Oh, I got it. Yeah, okay. yeah well, comment on it when you get a chance. And I think, I, and being that you're not from that area and would not recognize or understand the names of those school districts like Pattonville, Normandy, Riverview, Hazelwood, Ledoux, Clayton, I went and showed you who they are. And you have, and it also shows the percentage of who's in the district. You have school districts like St. Louis Public Schools, Normandy. That's down in 99% black that have more money per child for education than you do with some school districts that's either mixed along the lines of black and white or predominantly white. Comment on it. Yeah. Comment on it. If not, then they'd be saying somebody stole the history. <laughs> and make sure you give uh, well, Joe my comment. You know, you know, when, 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 when you, um, Okay, y'all, we got 60 seconds left in the live air time. We're going over a little bit. So 347-838-8622 is the number. If you're in the chat room, you can hang out with me still in the chat room, okay? All right, so, Pinky, you know, what? What you about to say? And money has much not to do with it because during the DSEG uh, period in Kansas City, Missouri schools, where you had the activists and you had a DSEG judge, his name was Russell Clark, and they were going through trying to improve on 
the facilities. They built petting zoos for the kids. They had in East High School an auditorium where it was a fix where a speaker be, could be speaking in a foreign language. The children had headphones where that language were deciphered into English. Well, West you know High what, School had Olympic you know, Hang on, on for a second. Wait, 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 no, no, no. No, it, it, you know what it is? It's, it, it's, it's interesting to you because that's in your area and, and that's, you know, in your school district. Well, it's not the, no, I don't it, live in Kansas City. Not, I didn't live it, in Kansas not, City. You know, I understand you you giving all great examples of what could be, but that is not the the the, the, the uh, situation across the, well, the country. It, but it's here's not. the thing: when you go argue with somebody about them paying you represent, re, re, reparations, they gonna well, bring yeah, this it, up. Okay, okay, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that just shows an example of okay, this air, this is. An example of you know how much be. money they had. But how you know how much they money they, they had in the Kansas City school district. Well, Eric, you gave me a money. minute to get out, you get what I had to say out. Let me have thirty seconds still, and I'm hanging up. You still, you still talking about? Let money. me have thirty more seconds and I hang up. Go ahead, Uninterrupted. Rough judge asked the activist. How much money do you do we need to change this academic performance around? The activists said and they had thirty three thousand students in that Kansas City, Missouri school district. They had some schools that were doing excellent. He they said we need a billion dollars for thirty three thousand students. You know what the judge said? And it's go on the internet, you can Google it. I give you two billion. That equates to about sixty-six to sixty-seven thousand dollars per child. Look at that information I sent you that was put out by the St. Louis Post Dispatch on what the school districts are getting now. One of the best school districts in St. Louis area is Clayton Ledoux. They're around twenty thousand dollars per child, and they receive no money from the federal government or the state to mention. It all comes from the local community. Twenty thousand versus sixty-six thousand dollars. Go ahead. Well, thank you, Pianki. However, you know, I, I, <laughs> but that makes it okay. That that makes everything okay. Just because you know you got a few areas that are thriving, everybody else, you know, is like, nope, can't do it. Nope, nope. It, it, you know, we we should follow them, uh, even though the resources aren't there, aren't free and being provided. <sighs> I'm not going to go there. All right. Come on, man. Talk to me. Oh, boy. Well, the guy that came in was saying that slavery, that you're an original Native American. But what if you know somebody that was a slave, they had it put on the cap. I mean, that they know who their great-great-grandfather was or their great-great-grandmother was. And if she was a slave, the descendants of slave, not the descendants of African-Americans, is the descendants of slavery. So you got these. And then, and then that football player, I told you he was he was book dancer. Everything he said, he the, the party did something to him. But that case, he needed to be mad with Ronald Reagan because wasn't Ronald Reagan a Democrat before he was a Republican? So you have to listen to this crazy crap that come out of their mouth when they saying this and that, and when they being book dancing and being paid. <laughs> you got to listen real close. <laughs> so he should be hating Ronald Reagan too, shouldn't he? A whole lot of people he should be looking around hate because they were Democrats before they were Republicans. They two of the same. So if you don't look at them two of the yeah. same, you mess with me then, because I see them both the same, both parties. 
because they both had dwell mm. and did in the same. But when it comes to reparation, that's what I said. You, they, if if they can make a wrong right like they did all these other people that got reparations, it should be done because they got descendants, and then these people still getting rich and still making money off the people that worked on the plantation. They didn't get nothing. Just like I said, Peter Pan was the peanut butter man, but the man that really came out with the peanut and fed the people, his descendants don't get nothing. But Peter Pan do that company. That's the way I see it. And then when you talk about these statues, they they don't want them taken down. But we're not taking the statues down either. They're taking them down because they put them up. But then they, that's that's two of the same conversations. But they won't have it. And then they wanted to take they wanted to take slavery out of the books. And that's what PMs are trying to say always getting with school. They wanted to take slavery out of the books to act like it didn't exist. But when I hear you say somebody come on and say slavery was Native Americans, Native Americans. I mean, I don't think so, because it, uh, uh, Israel is where the real black people really originated from, not here in these Americas. So he mm. needs to look and do his history. And then if you want to know the reparations and how many people got reparations, they don't need to do a study. I said the study's already been done from the people that they did reparations to that were mistreated. So those people think they're mistreated. Just think about the people that pick cotton for five cents a day. And you got five people in your family, but you pick cotton for five cents a day. Now, what does that sound like that they need to be paid? And their ancestors did it, but they still got siblings still around. And then, Joe, what happened to the people, you know, that they had all this stuff? What did it do? It just disappeared one day? Something just came through and just blew it away? When you got some fathers in the house and all this stuff? They never been in the house because when the slave was, when you, plantations to plantations, they moved around, ran the father away, took the woman, put her in the house, and they, some kids still mixed up. And they found each other now. As of today, they'll find each other because they had the same mother and the same father, but it, he moved from plantation to plantation, and sometimes he didn't take his family with him. And it had nothing to do with what we see today. It, it has to do with then, because your root is where it starts. So if you mess the roots up and mm-hmm. the tree starts growing, sometimes you're going to have to water that fruit with what you messed up. Mm-hmm. You can admit it, they want to admit it or not, but that's just how it goes. And one day it's going to be going to get reparation for what was truly done to their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Mays. A lot of great points there. A lot of great points. All right. Let's see. Uh, Miss Lady, are you still with us? Yes. Um. I I had to mute when certain uh, people came on the line. I can't I can't listen to to that uh, coonery. But, um, yeah, everybody knows reparations is old. If they want to admit it or not, they can, you know, bury it, you know, as far down as they want to. But if the if the situation was changed and it was them and their um, uh, uh, ancestors uh, who had suffered and sustained all of that uh, terrorism and oppression, and enslavement and poverty and unfair treatment treatment through uh, decades, they'd want restitution. They would be clamoring for it, no question about it. And they would the shoe was on the other foot. But, you know, a lot of people don't want it because I say some of the coons, because uh, they, they might think they'll get a few benefits. Just like, it reminds me of Kevin and Django. You know, he got to be in the big house, and he would go up to a library and have brandy and chat with the, uh, you know, the master. And uh, 
all of that. But, you know, he hated himself, and he really hated black people, and he couldn't stand when Jamie Foxx came riding up on that horse, he almost, I mean, Samuel Jackson played that role. He liked to have a heart attack when he saw a black man um, being an equal to a white man as partners up on a horse. He couldn't stand it because, you know, some people just want to think that they're special and they want to have that special place in society and they want to be admired and they want to have some kind of power and control over other people. Now, they're not going to have power and control over white society, but they want to be they want to be admired and looked up to and feared from other black people. I mean, they're pitiful people, really. They're just absolutely pitiful. And, you know, um, some... Uh, white people and others don't want blacks to get reparations because if they truly were helped in a in a really basic foundational way to become economically empowered, we could put in structures for that and and uh, uh, policies for that and have some um, authority behind that so that they. They could turn their lives around and now and their families' lives around and their descendants' lives around, and now they become a real threat because this is a competitive world. So if you can take out a large swath of people and they're not, then they can't compete with you, then you have to continue to have a way to So that's pretty much you know, I was just thinking but I, I don't I, I I don't listen to the coonery. you know, it's a what it's it, it's a waste of time for me. <laughs> okay. All right, thank you, Miss Lady. <laughs> All right. Oh man. Well, T, you got anything you wanna add?
because then they will no longer be the ones in power. And you think those people don't recognize that? Let's just be honest. Let's really look at it. Because when a people are oppressed continuously, systematically, you know, judicially, you know, what is the reason for that? So I have to oppress you or or, or take away your rights or, or, or keep you less than so I can keep you subjugated so I can always be in power. So we have to look at that, and we have to understand that. Regardless of what anybody says, how anybody thinks, you know, and even as, um, yes, um, and, 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 and even as Ms. Ms. Lady was saying, we got time for the coonery. That was way, that was way done over in the 20s. We're not stepping fetching it no more. We can't continue to do that. We cannot continue to beat by the sound of their drum, you know. But as long as we are not unified, what's the alternative? If we're going to fight within each other, what's the alternative? Until we can collectively come together, reparations will never matter because there will always be an inward fight. See, but stabilizing, stabilizing our economic infrastructure, now that's something we can talk about. That's something that's going to make a difference. Handing me a check? Uh, no. No. No, that's 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 not good enough. That's not that that's not what's gonna work. That's not what's gonna work. So, so it's, it's again, you know, it is not about a doggone check. It's not about a check. Not about a check at all. It's about economic restructuring so that people can live. So that people can live, and we can have what we what we've worked for. All of these years Go back and look at all We do black history moments You know And and we talk about All of the patents All of the inventions That that, that black people created Which the majority were stolen Because a black man Couldn't have a patent During most of those times Things that they taught us You know were created by, By Caucasians We found out not so See, so I don't, I don't understand the, uh, about jumping on the bandwagon with those who systematically choose and continue to oppress you. What is it in your mentality that makes you look in the mirror and not like what you see? I think we should, you know, piggybacking off last week's show, I think, you know, self-evaluation time. Because it starts with us, no, no reparations will, will, will even matter. It's not about a doggone check. The hell with a check. Give us back our economic standing. 
for all of the work that has been done and continues to be done below substandard wages, even now for big business, whereas our counterparts with the same degree of education can still make percentages higher than us, and it's okay. And that's not rhetoric, that's true. Okay. Well, thank you, ma'am. That that was a lot, and that was right on point, though. It it really was. Thank you, as always. All right, y'all. Man, what an interesting and very, very insightful show, um, to say the least. You know, when, when you when you think reparation there, as I said before, the first thing that comes to everybody's mind is a check, money, what have you. And, you know, I think, as I said before, that's where everything just goes off rails. Because, you know, reparations is more than that. You know, for years, for years, you know, uh, our ancestors, great-grandmothers, grandfathers, even some of our mothers and fathers were subjected to, you know, demeaning, demeaning treatment. You know, not being able to, supposed to look a white man in the face and, you know, having to go in through back doors or getting fed through the back door because they didn't want to see me feeding them. I ain't and that's not to mention, you know, settlements like in St. Augustine, you know, black settlements where their land was taken. Central Park in New York, that was a black settlement. Land was taken. You know, everybody applauded the Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah, and Juneteenth. But, you know, a lot of those individuals ended up as sharecroppers. You know, just a free form of slavery. You know, under under the, the illusion of forty acres and a mule. You know, reparations. Yeah, it, it's going to take more. Pianki gave some great examples of schools that's flourishing, and that's good. That that's good to hear. But that's not the standard. It never has been. I remember as a kid having having textbooks that were so old. You know, they used to fall apart. We used to have to take um, paper bags. Some of y'all remember take paper bags and make book covers so the book would stay together. I remember that. <clears throat> no hand-me-downs. And in, in, in a lot of situations, it's the same today. You know, now, the only thing is now they, 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 they want to whitewash the history taking certain things out the book to make it seem as it didn't happen. Yeah, reparations. It's more than check. It's about dignity. It's about, you know, self-esteem. But, you know, that doesn't count because the only thing rule the world these days is the mighty dollar, and that's what everybody thinks that it's supposed to be. Some people say it's begging. Why is this begging to, to ask for something that's old to you? Is that really begging? I don't know. But you know what? We're going to get out here, and I think Monday we're going to do a part two to this. 
I'm going to try and download some more clips um, that where those that were saying they're in favor of reparations, especially the economist, Julianne Malvo. Make sure I, I get that on. So we'll do a part two of this Monday. So make sure y'all come back, man, so we can um, engage in the conversation. Because you know what? It's good to have this conversation. And that is what Sheila Jackson Lee was saying. You know, nothing is really going to happen from this hearing, but it's a start and it's a conversation. It really is. You know, as I was watching that 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 um, hearing, you know, I thought about Candace Owens, and I thought about this new generation is coming up. That 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 a lot of them feel the same way that Burgess Owens does, or um, Hughes, the Hughes guy does. You know, and I'm not gonna say because they don't know the history, but a lot of their thought process is. That's what it is. It's history. Let's work on today. That's an interesting concept. But then again, I think somebody said one time, if you, you know, forget your history, you're liable to repeat it. So, you know, it's a touchy, touchy situation. But we're going to talk more about this on, on Monday for sure. All right. So I want to say thank you, everybody, for hanging out with me. It was fun. Uh, I enjoyed everything. You know, we kept it clean. Those in the chat room, thank you for hanging out with us. It was a great, a quite interesting conversation going on in the chat room as well. Um, but we'll be back here Monday, 2 p.m. Central, 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific. Be smiling, show appreciation, forgive with open heart, but make sure you're forgiving yourself first. And the biggest, best thing, learn to laugh at yourself. Laugh at yourself. Everything else is just groovy. All right, so, you know, we're going out here. Being that today is officially the first day of summer, let me give y'all a little bit of the Isley Brothers and Summer Breeze. See y'all Monday, man. Y'all have a great weekend. We out of here.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.